Uh, there's been a bit of new movement in the community housing space this week. KiwiSaver Fund Simplicity has launched a new fund that it hopes will provide up to 25,000 new homes of different types over the long term. Uh, and part of that is community housing. Now, although that is new, uh, that initiative, community housing isn't new. Salvation Army, for example, has been supplying housing for over 100 years. Uh, today we're looking at what community housing providers actually are, how they interact with government and the traditional state housing, and whether this new way of building more homes for more people will actually work. I'm joined by founder and chief executive of Community Finance, James Palmer. Hi, James. Hi, Jesse. How are you today? Good. Nice to talk to you. Is it a good week for you guys, this announcement from Simplicity, which 9 to noon, in fact, covered uh, a couple of days ago? Is it good news for you? It's an exciting day, absolutely. Um, I think all of us, there's probably a bit of fatigue hearing the words housing crisis, yeah. but the tragedy is things have continued to get worse in the affordable housing space in our country. So investments like this and announcements like this are absolutely critical for us to turn things around in our country. How does community, and a lot of people will have heard these terms, but if you haven't, if you've been lucky enough not to rely on this sort of housing, um, then you won't really know much about it. So social housing, community housing, are those interchangeable terms? And what exactly are we referring to there? Yeah, really good questions. And and as you say, it's 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 fortunate for those that don't understand it, right? And, and, and need it. Just more of us do. So uh, mostly interchangeable. Uh, probably a lot of us and listeners grew up with, with understanding the terminology of state housing. Um, it's not a new thing. You know, for, for centuries, we've always had those that earn more than others. And there's always been a need and there remains a need in every country for there to be housing for those on lower incomes. And so what used to be called state housing slightly depends on, on the colour of the government. Uh, it's then been called social housing. Uh, under Labour, it was public housing. Uh, perhaps it will now be called social housing again. But it is the same thing, which is housing that is available for those on a waiting list that are on lower incomes where they pay rents that are below market because, funnily enough, that's what they can afford. And I think, you might correct me here, but I think most people assume those houses are paid for by the government. Yeah, so um, there's about 80,000 public houses around the country and one of the key things being that's simply not enough. We haven't kept up over the last 30 years and we're well down on other overseas equivalent countries. So of those houses, public housing is to do with the funding from the government. So people will be often well aware of Housing New Zealand now, Kaing Order, and they are the main provider in the space. Um, but often the unsung heroes doing an incredible job are entities called community housing providers. And those leading ones are charities. Uh, as you quite rightly said earlier, um, entities like the Salvation Army that have been doing this for 100 years, uh, they often own and manage hundreds, some of them thousands of homes. If it was any of our families, I'd pick them all day long for being the group I'd want to look after us. They receive the exact same funding from government. And the secret of that funding from government... Is sorry, same funding as who? As Sorry, as kind order. Okay. And, and so what it means for a tenant is if you're in public housing, you will normally pay 25% of your pre-tax income as your rent. And that has nothing to do with market rents. However, a housing provider needs to have the money to do a good job, maintain the homes and pay for finance. So the government enters into, for both community housing provider and kind of order, 
a 25-year contract where they will pay that cost for that time. And that enables the money to come in while also making sure the rents stay lower. Okay. What works well about that model and what doesn't work well? Yeah, really good question. So what works well is that we need houses that are affordable and there's all the data that backs up the cost of not doing that well. As a country, however, we've been really ineffective in doing it. And that's, I think, a frustration many of us feel. So it's great government provides this funding, but it's about $4 billion a year we spend on rental subsidies as a country. So over 60% of renters in this country actually get one form of government subsidy or another for rentals. But we haven't been smart in understanding that the funding or those rental subsidies are not as effective as they could and should be if we don't then provide finance at scale and lower cost. Because as most people will be aware, the cost of new homes, normally a big chunk of it, 60-70% comes from what you borrow. So when we've been doing this with community housing providers for decades, the government in New Zealand hasn't been good in doing any steps to lower that cost of finance other than providing the funding. And that's where and why we set up community finance, because overseas, other countries have set up an entity that can enable investors to buy bonds to provide billions of dollars worth of finance to these leading charities. Here, we didn't have an equivalent until a few years ago when we launched. And so that meant that the funding that was there from government simply wasn't delivering the outcomes it could and we needed to. Yeah, and, and this is probably the trickiest bit for people's brains, I think, um, the, yeah, the money yeah. side. So um, let's just go through that slowly one more time. So let's say Salvation Army uh, wants to build a house for a million dollars. The government will give them that million dollars to build it, will they? Or they'll give them a, a couple of hundred thousand dollars and the Salvation Army will go and get a mortgage as um, you know, ordinary member of the public would. Yeah, really good way to unpack it. So how it normally works is that if that was a million dollars, and nice thing is these, these groups are efficient, so it's normally less, but using that, that nice round number, they'll give them zero dollars up front, but they will say, if let's say the rental for that home was $500 a week, to look after it, maintain it, pay staff well, they might need, say, $800 a week. So the government will agree to give them that $800 a week for 25 years and inflation adjusted, mm. but they won't help with a million dollars otherwise. Huh, interesting. And so that's been the gap, and it's a foolish one. And that's why we've come in to go, well, hey, poorer families are normally something the finance world avoids, part of the problem. So the government providing that funding, though, is fantastic if you're looking at it from a risk point of view. Mm. So we're silly if we don't leverage that. So we then provide, say, six or $700,000 and that can then be at a lower cost of finance because we're then, I think, being smart and efficient and saying, well, hey, government's doing its bit. This is a warm, dry home. It's affordable. If we then provide finance at scale, we can lower that cost, build more homes, save the government a lot of money, and actually start dealing with the fact that there's 25,000 families on this waiting list. If it was six or 700,000 per home, we need $17 billion as a country just to meet the current waiting list, and that's growing each year. So we have to start thinking about scale and doing this efficiently, and that's what we're hoping these last few years are helping show all of us, that if we actually don't work in silos, this is possible. Yeah, and again, just to stick with that hypothetical example, so if the Salvation Army can borrow that money off you, 
you've got the guarantee of that 25 years of income, rental income um, from the government. If they can borrow a few, does that mean that they will do that instead of borrowing from a bank or, or someone charging Correct. them even more money? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, I guess it's, it's very easy to be a bit depressed when you look at the stats. Um, you know, $17 is a lot of money. But conversely, we actually have the money in New Zealand. The thing we can be hopeful on is there's 270 billion of funds under management in New Zealand. Again, we just haven't been very good at investing that in our own backyard and in things that that work that actually do good as well. And so one of the things we've been focused on is working with KiwiSaver providers and fund managers who increasingly are cognizant about responsible investing and, and making money and doing good. And building that bridge between the money we already have, a Salvation Army or an Emerge Aotearoa that deliver you know, class-leading tenancy management, help those in need, we actually suddenly can do a lot of this. We're already doing m- more than ever. But the other exciting thing is it doesn't just have to be kind order and it doesn't have to be the Crown borrowing those billions. So for a million-dollar example, if we're smart and use community housing providers, that million dollars can come from our retirement savings for KiwiSaver schemes. We can grow the wealth of leading charities so that in hundreds of years from now, they're stronger for when probably there's the next crisis, and it's far more efficient for the government. So it really is one of those rare ones where it can be a win-win. Yeah. And again, hold my hand here, James. So um, when you lend money to a community housing provider like, um, well, I'll keep using Salvation Army just because it's a big name that people understand. It is, yes. And you've sort of um, jumped ahead here a bit, but I'll ask you um, to take us back. When you lend that money, where are you getting that money to lend from? Yeah, so we need to raise that money. So if, if they're asking for – so first deal with the Salvation Army in 2020 was for $40 million. So we need to, to issue what are called bonds to that value. And you know initially, we needed to work with some of the leading philanthropists and families that are really committed to our future. So we were fortunate to have the Tyndall Foundation and the Lindsay Foundation become really some of our first investors. From there, it was working with these KiwiSaver funds and – getting them to actually realise that they can invest in New Zealand and benefit from that government funding, but they're buying bonds every day. Billions and billions of dollars are held in bonds in New Zealand. So what we wanted to do is to say, that's that's what you should do as a fund manager, but why not buy a bond that's for the Salvation Army and we'll provide a market return for you and we'll lower the cost for them because unlike the traditional model in finance where you try and make the most money in the middle, we try and run on a far more efficient money, uh, margin, which we do. So banks in New Zealand, you know, they used to talk about how it's quite expensive and the profits they make here with a 2% margin between you know, their cost of funds, what they borrow from term deposits and what they lend at. Now, the last couple of years, the banks have even further increased that margin. You know, many now are well above 2%. So there's so much good you can do if you cut out a little bit of that greed and then let investors have a good return and you can slash the cost of finance, which for every hundred million we lend, I think households right now can feel it if you've got a loan. You know, if you've got a million dollar loan, interest rates up two percent, you feel it. Imagine what that's like for some of these charities if we're not more efficient with finance. We're going to slow them down when we need them to speed up. Are you for profit or are you not for profit? Yeah, good question. We're a social enterprise. And so um what that means is that Again, those earlier names I mentioned, you know, like the Tyndalls and Lindsay's, we went to them saying, this is our dream and 
we want to achieve something at scale because the country needs it. But we're going to need a lot of capital from you to enable us to do this because it doesn't make commercial sense doing this because you know it doesn't cover our expenses and won't for some time. And that's exciting. And so that's what we're doing. That's our mission. And we want to take this into the billions because that's what the country needs. Social enterprise covers a lot of things. Sometimes it's just a yeah, business. It sometimes it's just a business that happens to do good, right? And there's uh, lots of people making money, which is fine. But so, so are you doing this for profit? And you just happen to be working in a space that helps people out, or are you purely doing this? Probably for the other way around. Yeah. At, 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 at the moment, there are no profits, and there won't be for some time. And that doesn't make, in, in the traditional world, business sense. But I think there's a growing awareness amongst many people that we can't just work with the status quo. It can't be we just have four profits and there's some token you know, marketing or, or, or donation that comes out at the end. For us to really face some of these massive social challenges, we need to invest in charities. We need to see the rise of the for-purpose sector where you know shareholder profits not necessarily a bad thing, but it can't be the only focus. And certainly that's not what it is for us. Uh, we want to help a lot of people and do a lot of scale. Um, and that's what we need to do. And we're investing in and underwriting the cost of that for the benefit of these charities. Great. And we proudly do it. And, and we haven't really talked much about this week's announcement. So what's new this yeah. week that is going to help this whole situation out? Yeah, uh, very good question again. So uh, Simplicity has been one of our leading investors. Uh, we've, we've had three KiwiSaver providers that have been really the leading investors up till now. We've got some exciting announcements coming up next couple of weeks on that front. What Simplicity launched this week is a new fund called the Home and Income Fund, and that's enabling investors to uh, invest in their product. They've got uh, Simplicity Living, which some of the listeners may have heard of, which is a uh, build-to-rent product. They're also offering their members uh, mortgages for first-home buyers. And there's also a commitment, which we were excited about, uh, to invest a target 10% of the funds raised from this new investment fund into the bonds that we issue to support leading charitable community housing providers. And the stated aim of that fund is for 25,000 new homes for the country, of which 5,000, the target is, Will, will be for, so that we can help finance 5,000 new public houses as well, which is an ambitious target, but you know the sector's proven the last couple of years as, as actually having delivered more homes in kind order that these charities can absolutely deliver it. But we can only do it if entities like Simplicity and investors back us to enable it to happen because you know it is expensive to do this. And I suppose speaking uh, here to the people like who might feel a little uncomfortable about uh, private companies getting into the business of providing social housing, I guess if you're doing it more efficiently and building more houses and getting greater outcomes, then people have to ask, well, what's what's the problem? Yeah, all of these are good questions, right? I mean, we, we have a complicated, enormous challenge in front of us and one which is getting worse. Um, I think one point just, just to clarify is that uh, all of our borrowers that, that we raise the money for are charities and we take comfort from them being not-for-profits so that they are investing any games back into their purpose, which is serving our communities both now and into the future. Um, in, in saying that, there isn't one way or one magic bullet. The government cannot fix this on its on its own. 
but we can see from the status quo that the private market can't either. You know, I think we do need to invest in, in actually supporting multiple solutions and backing what works, and that's what we're focused on. And I think that's really why this, this announcement from Simplicity is exciting too. We have to invest. We're not going to fix this with donations and philanthropy. If there's billions and billions we need to spend, we need to find ways to invest in property still. But it can't just be that we keep building houses that our population can't afford. And that's the thing, you know, wages haven't kept up with rents and mortgages. And we can't keep having more and more of the next generation never having a home let alone a rental that they can afford. What's so, the yeah. trick now? What's the trick now to attract some of those KiwiSaver funds to invest in this particular area, which would be, I guess, community housing bonds, to use a um, a shorthand for it. And and yes. from what you've seen, are they enthusiastic about the idea? Um, yeah, good question. I, th- I I think we always need those that go first. The nice thing that gives me heart is. We're well past it now. We've got multiple entities investing in this and doing more of it. What listeners can do, though, is I think as Kiwis, we've got a chance to vote with our money. Um, We've got to think of our retirement, but I think we should demand of our fund managers that we want to see uh, investments invested in our own country. And we want to not just hear slogans about responsible investing. We want to actually see the proof in the pudding. So, hey, go on to your KiwiSaver provider, ask them, are they working in the space? Many are. And let's just create the demand for investing so that it's a win-win. It's happening, but there are still fund managers that um, I think could and should do much more in the impact investment space. I think simplicity, we're talking about um, getting some money that was currently going into term deposits. So you'd be wanting to uh, provide a return um, that was at least as good as term deposits, right? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, got to be careful. I can't provide financial advice, but certainly, um, again, New Zealand's been a bit late in a few areas to our detriment. KiwiSaver is already at 100 billion. We've got a lot of term deposits. Um, people getting really good advice about their future and investing and what works for them is important. But you can again see the immaturity of where we're at compared to Australia. They have trillions now invested in this, and they're used to investing in infrastructure and affordable housing. Now that we are building up the wealth of many in our population, it's really good that people are going out getting advice and thinking about new ways to invest, good which stuff. hopefully does create both growth. Hopefully outcomes. makes us a little recession-proof too. Thanks, James. <laughs> nice, Thanks so much, Jesse. Nice Great to talk to, to you. James Palmer is the Chief Executive of Community Finance.